name is Joey Resto. He is a 23-year-old from Brooklyn, New York. Mr. Resto was on his way home from work on the New York subway when he noticed the elderly black gentleman sitting across from him who was shirtless, visibly cold, hungry, and had been beaten up. Joey Resto was so moved by that tragic scene that rather than ignore the sight and carry on with his commute as so many others were doing on the train that day, he took action, offering both his shirt and his hat as you just witnessed. It was truly an act of human compassion. This morning is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. We're talking about loving our neighbor, showing compassion to the hurting humanity among us. And I would tell you that this is the Christian's most important duty. We are to look this morning at a well-known, very familiar biblical character known as the Good Samaritan. If you've got your Bible, let me invite you to open it to Luke chapter 10. In verses 25 through 37, Jesus had just praised God for hiding the secrets of the kingdom from the wise and the learned. And now a learned leader, an expert in the Old Testament law, comes to Jesus and asked him a question that revealed this man's ignorance about the central issues of the faith, eternal life and the basic command to love one's neighbor. Jesus responded to the teacher's question with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in this parable, Jesus contrasts the loving actions, the unloving actions, I might say, of a priest and a Levite with the loving actions of a Samaritan man, a person who was considered irreligious, an outcast by the Jews. And by taking care of a wounded traveler who himself had been beaten up and left on the side of the road, this Samaritan was himself obeying the central commandment of God's law to love our neighbor while the priest and the Levite were breaking it. As we look at this parable this morning, a very familiar parable, you probably know it by heart, you've heard it if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this parable from the time that you were in the children's department of the church that you grew up in. But I, here's what I want you to take away from the parable as we look at it this morning again and think about the sanctity of human life. The Christian community must reach out 
and compassion to the hurting humanity around us, wherever we find them. There are two observations I want to make from this parable. I want you to look first with me at the people in the parable. We find three different characters in the story. The first is, or actually four different characters, but three groups. First is the hurt man that Jesus is making reference to. Look what he says in verse 30. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now between Jerusalem and Jericho, there stretched 20 miles of bad road. And that road harbored a notorious alley where thieves and rapists and other criminal types would hide in the shadows and carry out their crimes as they came upon people traveling down that road. Predictably, the man in the story was assaulted. He was stripped of his outer garments. He was beaten and left for dead. Now, if you've ever seen anyone so beaten, you know the picture Chipped teeth, blackened eyes, matted hair, um, bloodied. You know what a beaten man looks like. This man represents the hurting and the oppressed among us. You say, well, who are they? I don't often run up on someone who's been beaten up. No, we probably don't. Well, who would the hurting, the oppressed among us include? It would certainly include the unborn of our society, those held in bondage, those forced into sex trafficking or human trafficking, those suffering injustice of one kind or another. Traffickers, we hear that term today, and traffickers are people who force or coerce people into performing work or sex acts against their will. Most often in the United States, these people are either young girls or immigrants, but it does include young boys as well. Consider these international Statistics. Perry, you got ahead of me there a little bit, but there you go. Abortion. Look at this. Every year in the world, there are an estimated 40. Look at this. This is unbelievable. Every year in the world, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million murders of innocent, unborn children that we call abortion. That corresponds to approximately 125,000 abortions per day. In America, 
there are over 3,000 abortions every single day. And the total abortions in America since 1973, and that figure is wrong. I went back and checked. That figure is now nearing 60 million abortions since 1973 in America. Slavery. Over 45 million people are held in slavery today. One in four are children. Sex trafficking. Credible and conservative estimates of global sex trafficking indicates that there are between 4.2 million and 11.6 million people held in forced commercial sexual exploitation. Human trafficking generates about $150 billion a year. Two-thirds of those are from sexual exploitation. In India, a child goes missing every eight minutes, and nearly half are never found. Injustice. Globally, four billion people live outside the protection of the law. What are we doing to help these who are oppressed and hurting? Do we even care enough to do anything? Jesus challenges our understanding of mercy and justice for these victims. As we continue reading this story, we discover three other men who traveled the Jericho Road that day that are identified. Now, each saw this hurt man in his desperate situation. The first two were what we might call holy men, a priest and a Levite. Look what it says. The first guy to discover the hurt man was a member of the clergy. Look in verse 31. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Jericho was one of the main country spots where priests lived. So the priest was likely returning from performing his uh, normal duties at the temple. And if the man lying beside the road was dead and that priest who was considered a holy man if that priest were to touch that body, if that man were dead, he would be ceremonially defiled. So rather than risk defilement, the man saw the wounded man, but instead of going over and seeing if he was alive and offering any help, he walks by on the other side of the road and passes him by. The second guy was a Levite. Look in verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, Levites were not as high-ranking as priests, though they were highly privileged. These were those, the, the men who carried out, who oversaw the temple services. They assisted um, there at the temple. Now, one would think, as you look at these two men, a priest and a Levite, two holy men of God, that surely 
they would help this wounded man. After all, it was their job to help. But because the man was not dressed, they feared he might be a Gentile and an Orthodox Jew hated Gentiles. And Jews, Orthodox Jews, wouldn't even touch a Samaritan or a Gentile. We don't know why these men passed by. Whatever the reasons, these two holy men saw the man and then passed by on the other side. They deliberately refused to offer any assistance. Heartlessly transgressing the second greatest commandment, loving one's neighbor as oneself. Go back to 1 John. We're taking a break from there this morning, but there is a text there in 1 John that relates to this very subject. 1 John chapter 3, and look in verses 16 and 17. Look what John says. <clears throat> By this we know love, that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Friend, how often do we see or hear of people who are hurting for one reason or another, and all we offer them are words of comfort from the safe distance of a phone call or an email or a card or a text. We'll even say, give me a call if you need anything. I've been pastoring for a long time. I can't tell you how many times I've said, give me a call if you need anything. Do you know what? No one ever calls you when you say that. However, they will respond when you go, irregardless of the call, and offer them help. We're, we, we say that, I think we, we truly mean it, but it's our way of saying, well, I've done something, but from a comfortable distance. Honestly, when's the last time you reached out when you heard of someone who was hurting? I'm not talking about in the church. Look, my, my wife with this broken leg, this church has reached out to her and to us in a tremendous way. I know we help one another. I'm talking about the people outside the walls of our church, people that are not going to be able to do anything for us in return, people who simply need someone to show that they care. When's the last time that we've truly done that as individuals and as a church? Um, now, Jewish storytelling followed a pattern of three. Um, 
So after two failures, um, the audience must have been expecting the next character that Jesus mentions to do better. Surely they suspected that the third character, <clears throat> the third traveler, would be a simple Jewish man who would, unlike the two holy men, the two Jewish holy men, the rabbi and the Levite, that the simple Jewish man would help the wounded stranger. But Jesus had another big surprise. No one expected him to finish the story like he did. Look in the third place at the humane man, the man, the only man who showed any compassion towards this wounded man. Look in verses 33. <clears throat> but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, the jaws of the audience must have dropped when Jesus said this. The kind of animosity existing between the Israelis and Palestinians today is a reflection of how poorly Jews and Samaritans got along in Jesus' day. Jesus doesn't call him Good Samaritan. That's a title we've given this man. It only says Samaritan. Um, uh, the, to the Jews, the phrase Good Samaritan was an oxymoron. <clears throat> the Samaritan should have been the villain but Jesus makes him out to be the hero of the story. As he journeyed, he came to where he, the man was, and when he saw him, Jesus says, he had compassion. Now, that word compassion literally means he got a sinking feeling in the pit of his stomach because he was so concerned for this man and his condition. This man went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, to cleanse the wounds and to revive the man. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. He took care of him. And when he had to leave and go take care of his own business, he said to the innkeeper, I, I would like to leave this man here until he's healed. And if you would uh, supervise the, uh, his, uh, the ministry he needs, I will pay you whatever you need to spend, and when I come back, I will reimburse you. Now, that wasn't the way the Jewish audience expected the story to end. They would have been stunned by the Samaritan's behavior. All three of the men in this parable saw the wounded man who had been stripped, beaten, and abandoned, but only one, the Samaritan, felt compassion and acted humanely towards him. Friend, compassion is what set the Samaritan apart from the other two. It was the magnet that drew him to the man who was wounded 
Even today, that's what compassion does. Compassion says, get involved. Take the risk. Reach out. You can't ignore, compassion says to us, you can't ignore the killing of 60 million unborn children. You can't ignore the murder of defenseless citizens. You can't ignore the sexual enslavement of women and young girls. You can't ignore the plight of the poor and the needy among us. You care too much to walk away. That's what compassion says. Just as Joey Resto showed compassion towards a shirtless, visibly cold, hungry, and beaten up man on a New York subway. Friend, as far as we know, the Samaritan never spoke a word of compassion to this wounded man. He just rolled up his sleeves and he demonstrated what compassion looks like. So there are the people in the parable. The wounded man who was hurt. The two holy men who passed him by. And the Samaritan who acted humanely towards him. Well, look in the second place at Jesus' point in telling this parable. As he concluded the story, Jesus no doubt peered intently into the teacher's eye who had asked the question. And he asked this crucial question back to the man. Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Now, thankfully, the lawyer, as he is called, the expert teacher in the Old Testament law, got the point. Which man proved to be the neighbor? And the lawyer, the teacher, said the one who showed him mercy. And now Jesus is ready to make his point. And he said, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Can I just say this morning that Jesus is saying the same thing to us? You go. Rick, you go. You go, you go, you go, and do likewise. I think sometimes we get so involved in doing things for family and friends, and even those in the church that we almost tend to pat ourselves on the back and saying, we're, say we're doing all we can. And then when we come across those whom we don't know their name 
We may never see them again, but we know they are hurting. We tend to do the same thing as these two religious men in this parable. We're so afraid of being defiled by the outcast of society that we refuse to touch them physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And we walk by on the other side of the road thinking we've done the right thing. When Jesus says, no, the Samaritan is the one who acted right. You follow his example, not the example of those two men who claimed to be religious, but who passed him by on the other side. Friend, we need to realize that needs exist all around us. Each one awaiting a tangible demonstration of compassion. In order to be a neighbor to those we encounter who are hurting in our society, we must be willing to emotionally connect with their situation. The Samaritan man, Jesus said, had compassion on this wounded man. We must physically care for their needs. He bound up the wounded man's wounds. And we must be willing to carry their care to the point of completion. Whatever more you spend, he told the innkeeper, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus challenges our understanding of mercy and justice in this parable for the oppressed of our society. Friend, it is not simply awareness that matters. It must be a level of engagement that ultimately cost us something. If your interest is to help the unborn, for instance, maybe you could volunteer to work with our Greensboro Crisis Pregnancy Center. At the least, you could, as Sharon Apple challenged us this morning on that video, get involved get one of these bottles, fill it up with change, and bring it and show our support financially for the things that the Greensboro Pregnancy Center is doing. If you're interested in working with those who <coughs> have been um, affected in some way through the justice system, those that have been in, put in jail, incarcerated, you may want to get involved with our prison ministry, our jail ministry, under the direction of Ed Malone um, <clears throat> that we are a part of. And many in our church go down on Saturdays and conduct Bible studies for the men and women who are locked up in the Guilford County Jail. Or maybe you have an interest in working with those caught up in human trafficking, 
there are several agencies where you can get involved with, such as the International Justice Mission, <coughs> a nonprofit Christian organization focused on human rights and law enforcement. This organization is currently the world's largest anti-slavery organization. The International Justice Mission combats sex trafficking. It uh, combats forced uh, labor slavery, illegal property grabbing, um, police abuse of power, child sexual assault, and uh, citizenship rights abuse. And there are some in our church that are involved in that particular agency. The truth is, helping hurting humanity is proof we truly possess eternal life. Jesus was wanting us to understand, if we say that we love God, as the first part of our mission statement says, love God, love others, share Jesus, disciple believers. If we truly love God, we will love others because God in his own mercy and compassion reaches out to the hurting and the oppressed of our society. And we, following in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ, must be willing to do the same. If I could put this whole message into one sentence, it would be this. Others will not care how much we know until they know how much we care. People will not care how much theology we know. They won't care how great our Bible studies are. They won't care how good the music and the teaching is here at Cornerstone Baptist Church until they know that Cornerstone Baptist Church cares enough to reach out to the lost, the oppressed, the hurting of our society with the love and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us to be good Samaritans to those around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this familiar parable. But Lord, we pray that it will not just be another lesson on this familiar parable that we have heard this morning. Lord, I pray that you would put it upon our hearts to reach out in whatever way we can with our time, our talents, the financial resources you've blessed us with to help those that are hurting all around us in our society. Lord, I pray that the people of Guilford County, the city of Greensboro, and all the surrounding areas around us will know that Cornerstone Baptist Church is a church that truly cares. It's a church that is willing to reach out to the least of these and to offer assistance wherever we can. 
And through our efforts, they might truly know that we are walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ himself. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And we pray that you will help us to be more sensitive to those around us as you were yourself. We pray it in your name. Amen.